Hi, I'd like to welcome you to the Austrian Circle. This is the program where we talk about the economics of freedom here on WHS Stores 91.7 FM. So thank you so much for tuning into my show this morning. We are going to be talking about the recent poisoning of the water supply out in Flint, Michigan. Uh, residents out there are uh, being exposed to water that has very high levels and quantities of lead in it, which is uh, very dangerous, not good to be drinking, something I prefer not to have in my drinking water. And yet it seems like it's everywhere in these people's uh, local water supply there. Now, you've heard about me talking on the show before, the dangers of monopoly. And monopolies occur when there's no other competitor. People have to buy their product from one single organization instead of having a marketplace where there are multiple people, there's multiple varying degrees of quality of the product that's being offered, uh, there's multiple tiers of pricing that you can purchase from. I mean, yeah, there's a cheap firm, but there's also this high quality firm where you can get a higher priced uh, object and get a more quality for your money. When you have a marketplace, you have competition, you have prices, you have all the wonderful stuff that comes from the marketplace. However, when you have a monopoly, a single organization that provides you with a particular product and there's no alternative, there's no competitor, uh, this is the local government supplying the water in Flint, Michigan. And a lot of people say that it's just we have to give them more money. If we only give them more money, then maybe it'll solve all of these problems. And I think that we're going to find today through our exploration of this problem that uh, such is not the case. Um, so a Reason magazine put out an article called The Government Poisoned Flint's Water, So Stop Blaming Everyone Else. And this article is by Robbie Suave. It was posted uh, the end of January so, he says, Flint, Michigan was a sickly town long before residents discovered something toxic in their water. The city's appallingly high crime rate makes it one of the most dangerous places in the country. Its automobile manufacturing industry declined and disappeared decades ago, plunging Flint into a depression from which it never recovered. Its residents are poor. And the local government is so badly in debt that the state had to appoint an emergency financial manager in 2011. Flint is Detroit without the historic appeal. You wouldn't want to live there. You wouldn't want to even visit. On top of all that, local authorities were recently forced to admit that Flint's drinking water is contaminated with lead. The new water source might also be linked to 77 recent cases of Legionnaire's disease, resulting in 10 deaths in the area. The Flint water crisis has captured the nation's attention. Many pundits have seized upon the fact that Michigan is governed by a Republican, Rick Snyder, and have thus spun the disaster as one primarily caused by conservative indifference to poor black people. During last Sunday's Democratic debate, Hillary Clinton explicitly blamed the crisis on Snyder's leadership. Quote, I spent a lot of time last week being outraged by what's happening in Flint, Michigan, and I think every single American should be outraged. We've had a city in the United States of America where the population, which is poor in many ways and made and majority African-American, has been drinking and bathing in lead-contaminated water. And the governor of that state has acted as though he didn't really care. 
he had a request for help, and he had basically stonewalled. I'll tell you what, if the kids in a rich suburb of Detroit had been drinking contaminated water and been bathing in it, there would have been action. She reiterated this stance during an interview with MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, who holds the same view. Michael Moore, who hails from Flint, all but accused Snyder of pouring lead in the water supply himself. Elsewhere at Salon, writer Elias Isquith blamed austerity, since the root of the problem was the decision to, make, uh, to seek a more efficient, cheaper water supply. That decision was not made by Snyder, nor was it made by his emergency financial manager, a Democrat. In fact, Flint's own city council and mayor approved the idea. State Treasurer Andy Dillon, also a Democrat, signed off on it. In hindsight, the execution of the decision to seek a new water supply was a disaster of epic proportions. But it is one entirely caused by government actors, most of them local government actors, and ignored by regulators until it was too late. The people who have thus far done too little to fix the crisis are also government actors at the local, state, and even federal levels. Flint is mostly a failure of governance, not a failure of markets. At the same time, let's not forget the reason why local authorities felt the need to find a cheaper water source. Flint is broke, and its desperately poor citizens can't afford higher taxes to pay the pensions of city government retirees. As recently as 2011, it would have cost every person in Flint $10,000 each to cover the unfunded legacy costs of the city's public employees. The Flint water crisis is not a blueprint for what would happen if libertarians abolished government and let poor people drink poisoned water, as some enemies of free markets are no doubt claiming. Instead, it's a great example of government failing to efficiently provide even the most basic of public services due to a characteristically toxic combination of administrative bloat and financial mismanagement. But as long as the media is tossing out the blame, perhaps Flint's public employees who cannibalized a dying city's finances deserve more than just a drop? So that article was by um, Reason.com. Uh, Robbie Suave wrote that. It's called The Government Poisoned Flint's Water, So Stop Blaming Everyone Else. But what about spending? Couldn't, couldn't the government had just spent more money? I mean, obviously the citizens there are very poor, and so they can't afford the additional taxation necessary to have higher quality water. So is this indicative of what would occur without the government? Or maybe we just give them more money and then they are able to get themselves out of the situation. An article by Shikha Dalmia tries to uh, approach this point and says, Flint led poisoning the anatomy of government failure. In the simple morality tale that is modern mainstream liberalism, government spending leads to good things and cutting government spending leads to bad things. So when news broke that Flint, Michigan's water system was laced with lead and may have poisoned up to 2% of city residents, including 23 children, they already knew the cause. Spending cuts imposed on the city by the state emergency manager. The 
the Detroit Free Press lectured Governor Rick Snyder, the villain in liberal central casting, who appointed the manager thusly, quote, to lead the state, a balanced budget is not sufficient. He has got to see people, not sums, as the bottom line of the state balance sheet. Meanwhile, a headline in Vox declared, quote, Flint, Michigan tried to save money on water. Now its children have lead poisoning. In the weeks, Ryan Cooper accused Flint of poisoning its own residents to save a few bucks. This is a stark demonstration of austerity's false economy. A dissection of the events, however, suggests that it isn't government austerity that is responsible for the debacle, but the government itself, and at every level. Local, state, federal, elected officials, administrative agencies, you name it, I note in my column at the week. Here's how. The Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, the state agency that is responsible for implementing federal EPA environmental standards and ensure water standards, ignored citizen concerns that there was something wrong with the water they were getting from the new Flint River water system. The city had temporarily switched to the system after deciding against renewing a 30-year contract with its existing supplier, the Detroit Water and Sewage Department, that wanted Flint to pay higher rates and more stranded costs. This was like asking someone who was struggling to prevent the roof on his or her house from collapsing to pay for a lavish home insurance policy. The EPA allowed the DEQ to perform a faulty test to measure water quality that totally failed to catch the problem. That's not all that the EPA did wrong, however. Even after it realized that the DEQ wasn't taking a simple step necessary to prevent lead poisoning, namely adding phosphorus, it did absolutely nothing. It didn't go public with this information. It didn't warn residents that they should take steps to protect themselves. It basically fiddled as Flint residents were getting poisoned. What's even more infuriating? It would have cost less than $50,000 annually to add the phosphorus. The local mayor was even worse than the EPA. If the EPA passively allowed residents to poison themselves, the mayor actively encouraged them to do so. He told them that there was nothing wrong with the water and that they'd be wasting their precious money by buying bottled water. This, incidentally, was after GM stopped using this water because it was corroding auto parts. The Michigan Department of Health and Human Services dismissed tests showing a spike in lead levels in blood tests of local residents after the switch to Flint River as, quote, a seasonal anomaly. All of this shows, as I note in my column at the week, the Flint debacle is not the fault of government austerity, but government incompetence, negligence, and rank stupidity on the very part of those agencies that are entrusted with public health. And there is no amount of government spending that can fix that. That article is by Shika Dalmia, and um, it was called Flint Lead Poisoning the Anatomy of Government Failure. It was uh, posted on Reason.com. So the folks at uh, the Mises Institute also have something to say about the poisoning of the water in Flint. And uh, this article is by Dale Steinreck, and it's called Did Free Markets Cause the Flint, Michigan Water Disaster? 
In the wake of numerous cases of lead poisoning through Flint, Michigan's government-managed water supply, some commentators immediately began looking for ways to blame the private sector. Shortly thereafter, David Broadwin of U.S. News and World Report wrote, Flint, the big cost of small government. According to Broadwin, what caused the lead-tainted water to gush forth from faucets in Flint were, quote, attacks on investment in public infrastructure and on regulation of all kinds. For these, he blames, quote, right-leaning libertarian interests, although he does not name a single one. America, writes Broadwin, has fallen under an obsession with tax cuts, who, which has reduced budgets to the point that they can no longer sustain basic infrastructure. Attacks on regulation supposedly caused the failure of the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality to do its job. Either its staff was buffaloed by those in power, or its professionals had been replaced by political hacks willing to ignore the mission of the agency. Broadwin does not support these assertions with evidence. But then comes a strange concession from Broadwin. Local officials of the Federal Obama Administration Environmental Protection Agency failed as well. Broadwin's conclusion is that, quote, if we don't address the underlying ideologies that led to this problem, we'll face it again and again all over the United States. If you are wondering at what point in its history Flint, Michigan jumped onto the cutting edge of free market thinking and practice, join the club. Obviously, Broadwin's contradictory essay doesn't begin to explain how small government caused lead-tainted water to pour out of Flint's taps. From an economics perspective, what all the facts of the Flint case clearly point to is the all-too-typical failure of central planners to adequately think through the most important implications of a decision. On the 25th of March, 2013, Michigan state officials and the Flint City Council, by a 7-to-1 vote, decided to switch the city's water source from the De Detroit Water and Sewage Department to the new Karagandi Water Authority which would not begin operation until 2016. In the meantime, an alternate source of water had to be found. The 26th of June, 2013, was when the actual decision by the city, signed by the state-appointed emergency manager Ed Kurtz, was made to hire an engineering firm to put Flint's water plant into full-time operation, thus switching Flint's water supply from Detroit to the Flint River. The river was already Flint's backup water source. What city, county, and state officials all failed to do was take measures to ensure that the river's corrosive water was sufficiently treated so that it did not absorb toxic lead from Flint's water network. Far from being unusually negligent for a government, this sad story is unfortunately understandable and predictable. Unlike the numerous suppliers of private bottled water, central planners have no competitive pressures to rigorously think through any and all of their decisions. One civil servant in Spain, for example, just recently ended a stint of not showing up to work for six years. Successfully executing such a stunt in a private sector job in a competitive industry is just about impossible. 
While most readers of this site will have undoubtedly heard a lot about the lead-tainted water in Flint, Michigan, the stories that comparatively few have heard about are all the lead water in Sebring, Ohio, and last Wednesday in Jackson, Mississippi. Again, what should come as no surprise is that the same type of government bungling that put lead in Flint's waters is on full display in Sebring and Jackson as well. On 17th of February 2016, the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency fired two of its employees and demoted a third. The first employee, who was terminated, failed to verify that lab test results were received by a field office. In turn, this employee's boss was terminated for not double-checking the work of said subordinate, who had a long record of incompetent job performance. The third employee, the one demoted, was a manager who failed to notify his bosses that Sebring officials ignored warnings about their town's lead-contaminated water. None of the three individuals are being publicly identified, so much for state transparency. In Jackson, Mississippi, of 100 homes tested in January 2016, almost a dozen had tap water with levels of lead that require correction. 58 of those homes had been tested in June of 2015, but the Mississippi State Department of Health did not, as required, notify Jackson officials that some homes had forbidden levels of lead in their tap water until January of 2016. Progressives have placed a spotlight on Flint, but not Sebring and Jackson, because their ideology precludes them from acknowledging systemic problems with government and its central planning process. Progressive economists such as Broadwin lay the blame at the feet of libertarian ideology. Worse than their delusions about the state, the ultimate dream of progressives is to outlaw just about all competition to government water. They, including filmmaker Michael Moore, are apoplectic about Flint residents consuming bottled water. It has to be transported in on pollution-spewing trucks, and it creates waste and environmental damage in the form of empty plastic bottles. When progressives succeeded at banning bottled water at the University of Vermont in 2013, the number of empty plastic bottles being discarded on campus actually increased as students, staff, and faculty members switched from consuming bottled water to less healthy bottled soft and other drinks. In other words, even in Bernie Sanders' government-worshipping Vermont, consumers did everything they could to avoid government taps. Years before the Flint, Sebring, and Jackson contaminations, an AP investigation in 2008 discovered everything from antibiotics, antidepressants, sex hormones, erectile dysfunction drugs, to tranquilizers in the water supplies of 24 metropolitan areas with 41 to 46 million Americans exposed. Consuming government water is a bad idea. At its very best, it has repulsive, over-chlorinated swimming pool smell and even worse, off-putting, saturated chemical taste. At its worst, it can be tainted with everything from trace or higher levels of Viagra or estrogen to dangerous levels of lead. Only a complete fool would regularly and solely consume it to the exclusion of its private alternatives. 
That article was by Dale Steinreck. It was posted on Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S. And it's called, Did Free Markets Cause the Flint, Michigan Water Disaster? So this article shows that there is a systemic problem with the government supplying a particular good, in this case, water. Um, there, it's not about spending more money or getting the right people into the right offices and maybe somehow magically the system will work. It is about the incentives that are integral to the government itself. The government has no incentive to increase the quality of the product that it's offering to consumers because there is no competitive nature involved with the government. The government forces people to pay it money, and then it supplies them with whatever lackluster product it wants, and then there's no recourse. People can't withdraw their funds if they are unsatisfied with the product that's being uh, delivered to them through the government mechanisms. And so this is what occurs when you have any taxation-based production of good that is delivered to the customer, you end up with dissatisfied customers because there is no recourse. There's no way for them to withdraw their funds and to patronize another organization whom they feel is providing them with a better and a superior product. And so in the meantime, until we can finally figure out that the private market is the best way of supplying goods and services to people and we transition away from public service uh, types of organizations and towards a private marketplace with prices and profits and all of the things that uh, allocate resources towards people's highest demands, uh, well, what's happening in the meantime? How are the people in Flint getting the water that they need? And it turns out that the private market is responding quite in the way that we would expect it to. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker over at the Foundation of Economic Education says that Walmart and Pepsi are rescuing Flint from the government's failure. The ghastly tragedy of the water supply in Flint, Michigan is everyone's nightmare. The local government bore the responsibility of getting clean water to its citizens, consistent with long municipal tradition. But instead of clean water, testing in October 2015 proved that it was actually toxic, containing dangerous levels of lead. A stimulus project gone wrong, and the resulting failure of the local bureaucrats and politicians to coordinate their water contracts led to a terrible mistake poisonous brown water pulled from the contaminated Flint River pumped into homes, schools, and businesses with effects that could last a lifetime. You might think that the government failure would be obvious here, yet somehow pundits managed to blame austerity economics of a Republican governor, further hinting that racism against the majority of black population of Flint is the root cause. There has been no shortage of controversy about how the city continued to charge for water, even though it was poison, and nudge, there you have, claim that the market system is at fault. Talk about diversion from the real issue. The core problem is municipal provision itself. It works so long as bureaucrats are scrupulous, attentive, and hardworking, but there is no structural and institutional reason for them to behave this way, particularly in poorer communities without political power. With something so important as clean water, trusting the competence and goodwill of city managers is not always a good bet.
How has the government responded? Well, there have been denunciations, speeches, press releases, and declarations of states of emergency at the state and federal level, none of which have done anything to address the problem. The state itself has coughed up tax dollars to deliver 176,000 cases of water and 93,000 water filters, which is nice but punishes all residents of Michigan for the government's failures. But here's the good news. The private sector has come to the rescue. Walmart, Coke, Pepsi, and Nestle have announced they will deliver 6.5 million bottles of water to the city. They've promised to do this through the end of 2016. It's enough for the 10,000 residents immediately affected. It's more than the state has done, and the private suppliers are not forcing anyone else to pay for it. This is only the latest example of what has become common practice. In states of emergency, the private sector has increasingly made up for the obvious failures of the public sector. It happens in every flood, hurricane, tornado, or drought. Walmart and others step up and help people in need, while government blusters, passes resolutions, waves guns around, plays the blame game, and pours out tax money like lead-laced water. Isn't it obvious what's happening here? The private sector has become the service provider of last resort. It's the sector with the resources, intelligence, and, dare I say it, compassion to get the job done. Meanwhile, governments at all levels have proven themselves to be flops at performing the tasks they have been historically designated to provide. This reality challenges everything we think we know about the tasks assigned to the public versus the private sector. The government is supposed to be public-spirited, helpful, and generous. The private sector is supposed to be selfish, indifferent, and focused on the wealthy. As it turns out, you can flip those characterizations and be far more accurate. It's the private sector that responds to public needs, and the public sector that seems much more about private interests. Time to update the civics textbooks. The future of public service is private enterprise, and the future of the public sector will be, will be much like its past. Failure, flailing, and finger-pointing. That article was by Jeffrey Tucker, and it was called Walmart Pepsi Rescue Flint from Government Failure. It was posted on the Foundation for Economic Education, FEE.org. So again, it's the private sector, it's the free marketplace of the world that responds to the customer and constantly tries to bid for those customers uh, to keep coming back to it and restoring its trust in the ability of these companies to meet their needs, whereas the government doesn't really care. Because again, they get their money through force, through taxation, uh, by not convincing the customer that they have a quality product, but rather by the monopoly that they hold over the customer and the ability for that customer to pay them. And so we're going to continue to have problems until we can realize that the marketplace and prices and profit is the best way to provide us with the goods and services that we so desperately need and want. So I hope that you enjoyed this. This has been an episode of the Austrian Circle here on WHUS Stores. And you can tune in next week. We'll be back uh, next Tuesday at 1030 a.m. I hope you have a great week. Take care.